this is a Your Farm Business Podcast with Mike Krause of P2P Agri. The team at Your Business Podcast is guided by questions we get through social media from farmers. And in recent times, this has been more about farm family succession. So I've decided to put a series of podcasts together covering these three key questions. Firstly, why is it so difficult for many families to get started with farm succession planning and when should they start? Secondly, what process works best for farm succession planning? And finally, how can we avoid some of the challenges in farm succession planning? My next guest is Judy Wilkinson, who has been providing consultancies to families on farm succession planning, or more recently known as farm business transition. The mere fact she has been providing these demanding services over the last 20 years means she has found many ways to help farm families. Judy is also involved in farming herself at Snowtown, so understands the ups and downs of farming. Welcome, Judy, to your Farm Business Podcast. Thank you for the opportunity to speak with you, Mike. It's a pleasure. Look, you've got a, a, a wonderful experience in this space. Has it been a good experience for you? Um, yes, mostly. Yeah. And um, it is something that I was sort of encouraged to do rather than put my hand up to start with. I didn't sort of jump into it enthusiastically. I kept thinking, who would want to do that job? Yeah. But um, yeah, so it was a gentle transition in and it is rewarding. What's rewarding is watching others manage their future, manage their process. So I go in really not to tell people what to do, um, mm -hmm. not to give advice, because mm -hmm. I strongly believe that all farming families that are working together presently have got the answers within themselves. They know their business. They know their people. Mm. And sometimes just have difficulty getting the conversation going in the right direction. Because we work together and live together and do everything together. Sometimes those, you know, it can be difficult to have the, the critical conversations. So it's my job really to go in and direct traffic. Why do you think it's so hard to get the process started? Farmers ask me this question, and particularly from the younger generation. I think because it is a crucial conversation, because we're frightened of upsetting one another, we kind mm -hmm. of make it a demon in our head to start with. You know, we don't want to offend anyone. We don't want to promise something we can't deliver. We kind of make it hard, really, ourselves. And often because we're not really sure about what we want or what we want for others or whether we're being fair or... And, you know, we have this obligation that we really should be looking after all of our family equally. This is the older generation. They might be feeling like, and they can't see how it can be done. It just, yeah. they don't know yeah. if there's enough, if it has a capacity or the capability or even the skills to let it happen. So, you know, and sometimes we know when our families don't get on and we think, well, why would we bring them all together to have an argument? That would be ridiculous. <laughs> so what, what I think is it doesn't have to be. It is scary. Yeah. And it, it is so much a work in progress yeah. that um, we start and then we finally have to change it all because somebody's got married or because yeah. somebody's had a baby or because somebody's left. So we kind of make it more difficult than it needs to be because we're worried about not upsetting everyone. Not we want to keep the peace or, mm. and or look, that keep the status quo. To the next question that really... When should we start with this process? Do we only start it when mum and dad are looking to retire and we do that or should we have started a lot earlier? No, a piece of advice, you should start today, that's for sure, but you also right. should have started when your children were born. So the conversations that you have over your 
kitchen table or whenever you're together in the car together. Those conversations have to be true and honest and transparent so that when you get to making having to make conversations about really hard stuff, you know how to do them. So, and, you know, sometimes we haven't had great teachers in this. We have had, say, for instance, a dad who has pioneered and got the property to where it is today on bloody hard work and sheer determination and working alone. Mm -hmm. And um, he might have worked with his father who was similar, you know, just hardworking and living remotely and getting things done. And Mm -hmm. so communication may not have been high on his agenda. He was making decisions on his own and then, and now he's got to include all these other people when actually he's not a big talker himself. So, you know, what I say is that you have to start those caring conversations about yeah. you know where we're going and what we're doing even when things you know when there's crisis and when things change mm. so that you can have these difficult conversations later so really it's a process yeah. then it's not just one or two meetings it's a process over a long period of time to work yeah. through so some I, of those... I encourage people with children that you know like if you're going to treat your children fairly yeah. um, in your in your business and in your will you know, do it, do it from word go. (laughs) Don't start trying to do it when they're 17 (laughs) or 20, you know, start doing it. So if we're going to have a conversation about who inherits the farm, you know, the message, the message they'll get is if you tell them, oh, you're, you're going to be a farmer's son. Oh, you're going to be a hairdresser, you know, Mm. then you've started the conversation already and they might only be five. (laughs) So, you know, like if that's not what you're going to do and that's not what you want to do, you don't start that conversation. Let's go back, Mike, because you did say where and when we should start. But I, yeah. It's definitely when there is a change in circumstance in your business or in okay. your family. Okay. So the birth of a grandson, the marriage of a son or a daughter or those sort of special yes. significant family events. Yeah. Yeah. Now, sometimes there's elephants in the room. And um, I know as a facilitator for these family meetings, it's probably easier for a third party to ask those questions. What are some of the elephants in the room that you come across and that you have to then help the family deal with? That they're, they're wide and various and um, often, and I agree with you, sometimes it's better to have somebody managing that conversation other than yourself. So if mm-hmm. you realise that you've got something going on in your family that you want to address and you emotionally have something at stake, financially have something at stake, you have a higher motive involvement, it probably is best to get somebody who can be the mediator or can ask the questions that you'd probably like to ask without everyone Mm -hmm. feeling defensive. So I think that's a great idea, get someone in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it doesn't, it can be, you know, somebody who you trust, somebody who everyone Mm -hmm. trusts. It's Mm -hmm. not um, rocket science. It's really someone who's going to be fair and equal. But really it's about encouraging people to to think about what they're hoping for and also work out what people's expectations are. Now, sometimes people don't know what their expectations are until they aren't fulfilled. So they can be a bit tricky. You know, you get stuff above the surface and you get stuff below the surface. And often a facilitator can dig around a bit to find out what's below the surface because it's best talked about if you can. And what I like to encourage people to do is to think about their business as a business, yeah. get that bit sorted, and let their family be a family and get okay. and sort stuff out in that environment. So, 
you know, that sort of... So separating the, the business from the family because yes. the business and the family a lot of times are the one thing because we live well, and breathe all the time. That's right. Time. And often often the financially it's all a bit shady as well because the business does things for people financially, yeah. you know, for family members. Mm. So you've got to decide how that works as well. So the more business-like you can make it, I think it makes it a little clearer. That leads me on to the next one then is business is made up of management and made up of assets. Yeah. Some people that I come across say, oh, no, we've got to pass all that stuff off at the same time. And I'm saying, no, it doesn't have to be. You can work through management transfer separately than asset transfer. But I don't know what your take is on that. It just depends how the structures are set up a bit, Mike. I'm not a lawyer or an accountant, but I come across lots of different structures where there's trusts or companies or companies in charge of trusts. And, you know, that's quite complicated. One of the really important things is for everyone in the family to understand those structures. I'd have Mm -hmm. to confess I don't. I think Mm -hmm. keep it simple, sweetie, is a really great way to go. But, you Mm -hmm. know, like if there are complicated structures, the passing over of an asset, for instance, is, can be done well before the will or mm-hmm. it can include one person or lots of people as beneficiaries and the like. So it just depends what sort of structures they're in. I just look these days, though, when I do meetings and see how businesses often have the operating business in some sort of an arrangement and then the asset in, in another yes. and how easy it can be if that's the case that you can hand over some responsibility and some ownership of mm-hmm. something that isn't going to impact the asset which mm. is which is sometimes mm. the land and buildings and mm-hmm. and other things mm-hmm. um, so therefore it can be done in stages which yep. gives everybody some thinking they're work, they're getting something for all the work they're doing but in fact just being mindful of you know, the unforeseens like a divorce or a death mm. or a mm. whatever. So you can sort of manage it more, but it does depend highly on how you've got your businesses set up. But I do think if you, everyone has got to be getting something out of it. So you can't expect the younger generation to work for nothing or minimal or whatever. Yeah. They want to know what, and the, this younger generation, even more so than the ones I used to work with 20 years ago, want to know what's in it for them they want Mm -hmm. some sort of guarantee and they understand it could be a bit different by the time they get it but they have to know they're doing it for their good and their family's good as Mm -hmm. well as for their parents and the greater family so you know Mm -hmm. there's a fair bit of payoff going on there but Mm -hmm. yes I agree there are lots of ways it can be done in chunks rather than holeless bowls rather than holeless bowls the other question I often get thrown at me is land values are so high it's hard to be equal no, give all the kids the same amount. But I guess the emphasis to me is probably more being fair than equal. What, what's your reaction to that? I don't think you can ever get it equal. Mm. Like you say, in lots of ways, even the businesses these days are worth, you know, without the land, they're worth a huge amount of money with plant machinery. And if you're hoping to equally divide, you know, those business up into, say, four between your four mm. children, Everyone will get something, but will they get something that can continue farming? Is it a viable business? Probably not. Yeah. The fairness, though, that's another thing that I've found really interesting is when you have a group of people together in the room together and you talk about it openly and transparently and you Mm -hmm. give the facts so people know how things have to operate or are operating, and then you say 
this is our intent. This is what we want to happen as parents or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you ask everyone else what they want. Sometimes the answers are really surprising. They are. You know, people don't necessarily want to have a quarter of whatever it is. Mm. But what a lot of young ones say is, well, all right, if someone's getting the opportunity to farm this land and make Mm -hmm. a living off it and they're getting that opportunity now, it would Mm. be nice if I could have something and it doesn't have to be a quarter of the farm. If I could have something that could help me get started in something I want to do. And Ooh. sometimes I'm surprised at how little that is. That is. Or what it is. But, Ooh. you know, like if you ask, because it's quite often that children who have grown up in farming businesses know how difficult farming is, how 24-7 it is. They know how what it's like when drought hits. Yep. So they're quite aware of, of what sort of cash flow there is. But they're also aware of how huge the asset can be. So Mm. they can work it out. If they're adult enough, they can work it out themselves. Thank you, Judy, for those many insights. To sum up then, for me, there are six take-home messages. Number one, don't assume you know the answers. Number two, use a facilitator to draw the answers out of the family. Number three, the conversation needs to start now. Number four. Yes, it's scary to start, but the important thing is to start because it's more difficult to delay this important conversation. Number five, discussions need to separate the business from the family. And number six, aim to be fair because if you wish the business to continue, it is difficult to be equal.